the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump, and the fans all go insane. Someone roars. Bobby scores. The good old hockey game. Oh, good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. All right, here we go. Vegas Hockey Holland. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. We got a hockey game tonight. T-Mobile Arena. It's going to be good. Got a lot of cool things on the proverbial docket. Now, let's get by the game tonight. Where is this docket? We have a Vegas Hockey Island docket. We do? You've never seen it? I have not seen it. Oh, I'll show it to you sometime. Okay, all right. I <laughs> can't wait. Friday night. Game free watch party. Sunset Station. You come in. We've got... All kinds of great prizes. Everybody gets a raffle ticket. We got caps, Golden Knights caps, cutting boards, all kinds of cool stuff. And then people that come in and new signups for the STN mobile app, they have a separate drawing for, you know, pretty, a smaller pool. And included in there for the prize giveaway is a Ryan Reeves autograph jersey. So Friday night's going to be great fun. We invite you to come out. Now, today on the way to the game, go to Terrible Herb, spin the wheel. Yes. You got the $1,000 VGK game day giveaway. John Smith subs, 9701 West Flamingo. If you're not going to the game, you want to eat good, you get a sub, fries, a drink. Mention Vegas Hockey Hotline. Say the hat trick special. You get 20% off. I did the buy one, get one free yesterday. Yeah. Strong. Good choice. Yeah, well, when you're fending for yourself. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm going to make my old, the one dish I'm going to make. Okay. I, I, can, I, I can make one thing really good. I'm going to do it. All right. Chicken thighs, can of cream and mushroom soup, cream of chicken, rice. It's just like such a stupid little thing, and it's great. It's the one thing. I, I mean, I I burn cereal, but I can make that. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you, but I do chicken breast in the oven and, and, and cook them up, and I, I, can, I can get away with that, but I'm not a good cook. I'm surviving is, yeah, is, the, main, yeah, yeah. is the moral of the story. And then Adam has cut, and when they're on the power play tonight, you get a chance to win tickets to a future Golden Knights game on social media. All right, this is always good fun for us. Dave Shane's been a great friend of this program. Home away, and it's home for now because our dear friend is not going up and representing the United States when this thing heads north of the border. You'll be working from home. Yeah, but now I'm hungry after that. Come on, come on <laughs> over. If you if you got nothing going on tonight, come on over. I'm making chicken thighs. <laughs> I, I mean, so I'm curious. Like, do you put stuffing or, or I guess some people call it dressing? Do you put stuffing in there with it? Yep. Like, is it uh, okay? Okay. Kind of, All right. Kind of a deal. All right. It's the it's the semifinals of like, the Stanley. I want the recipe here. All right. It's. An idiot like me can do it. It's spectacular. You can do a can of cream of mushroom soup, can of cream of chicken, cream of chicken soup. A cup of rice. You put a cup of white rice on the bottom of a pan, and then you mix up the the, the two cans of soup, you know, milk. Throw them in there. Throw the chicken thighs on top of it. And then you get the Lipton French onion dip mix, and you sprinkle that over the top of the chicken thighs. You throw it in, in the oven. 45 minutes later, you're in heaven. Bingo. Okay, so so the rice is the start. The rice not, is the the, like the rice stuff. is the the rice melds it all, all together. Right. Yeah, the soup and all the right. the soup and the rice give you it's like a risotto kind of thing. Imagine that. You didn't think uh, I was I'd capable. Give it a whirl. It's good. Oh yeah, you're yeah you're a batch. You, you you're good at this. You gotta you gotta feed yourself. Yeah, well you know I'm actually 
I'm proud to say I know how to cook a little bit. Yeah, oh, boy. Well, I got news for you. That fish is still sitting in the freezer, so I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that thing going to walk into the frying pan itself? Or? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm going to probably give up on it. At oh, point. I. Yeah, yeah, at this point, you have to. It's got frostbite by now. Hey, yeah, go, go, well, you know wanna, what? I do want to take it out and at least see. You know, I want to. I want to. I want to see if it turns to mush. I'm sure it has. But. I mean, you want to turn it into a viral video? Did go out to Lake Mead, throw that thing back in Lake Mead, and somebody catch that thing? At this point, it's a science oh, experiment. The, yeah, watch the watch the striped bass jump up and feed on it. <laughs> yeah, the stri- that striped bass will end up being the size of a dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First try best to go to a hospital. <laughs> All right. So, uh, by the way, last little goofball thing. We needed the Dave Shane violin when you were in Minnesota and it was a tad humid. So what are you doing when it's 116 and humid? Well, I'm sitting in the air conditioning. That's for darn sure. I got the I got the fan blowing. My dog's over here, like, mooching the, the fan from it. You know, trying to get cool. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I walked from my car to my door in my house, and just that 10 seconds was like, ugh. Yeah, it, it's so. not pretty out there. By the way, I mean, all right, this is why, here it comes, the segue to hockey. The ice at T-Mobile, what do we make of this when it's 115-116? What do the players yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, you know, so it's funny. The other day I asked, Theodore about it, but my question because of the Wi-Fi kind of cut out um, when I asked him specifically just about the ice. Like, are there any concerns about the ice? How's that been? So he didn't hear that part of the question, and he kind of answered about he actually gave a really funny answer. He said, you know, obviously, like we don't want any guys getting sunburns, you know, or anything like that, which I thought was kind of kind of funny, especially for him. Um, but yeah, there is an element of, you know, you have to like make sure you're hydrated a little bit extra. Um, if you're walking around doing some errands, things like that, like, I, I wonder if it has any effect on, you know, Montreal a little bit, just the last couple of days here. Um, if they've been sitting out there roasting, you know, or if they've been getting casino cough cause they got to sit inside, you know, all day in the air conditioning or what. But, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're used to it, but we'll see if they are. We saw some bouncing pucks, Dave, in game one, but generally I, I thought that uh, the ice crew, whoever that may be over at T-Mobile, did a pretty good job under the conditions. Yeah, we saw a few guys go down. I'm sure it wasn't great. Like, here's the thing. It can't help it, right? I mean, it's 110, and, yeah, it's a little drier, and, you know, it's not like – and oh, and oh, no, by, I mean, and oh, by the way, when, nine, when the Stanley Cup was going on, especially in Washington, yeah, I mean that ice was very visibly awful. You could tell from the press box how bad it was. You know, this looked like you know it's probably not great, but it doesn't look like a lake or a puddle or anything out there either. Well, you can speak to this, Dave. Like when you're in the press box, if you're up there an hour and a half before the game, and you can hang meat in the place, right? Then nineteen thousand people get in there. It's it's warmer. You can tell. So it's 116 it, degrees yeah. with 19,000 people. Yeah, it's weird. Without getting too much into the science of it all, like I always wonder because, especially lately, I walk from my car, 
into the arena, and obviously it's a little warm, and I'm, you know, wearing pants and a long sleeve shirt, trying to, you know, look like a presentable professional human being, um, rather than the schlub that I normally am. But you know, oh, you don't know, sell yourself so- short. You're an incredible schlub. Yeah, yeah, right. So, like, I walk in there, and then it's ten minutes of like air conditioning and cooling down. It's like ah, and then at some point, I have to like put my jacket on. Because yeah, it's cold, and then then after a little bit, I notice like it does seem to. I don't know if it's warm up or I just get used to it or whatever. You know, once all the bodies get in there mm-hmm. and everybody's kind of moving around, you know, it. There are game. Put it this way: there have been games during the season where I am dressed in my jacket, whatever, and still cold in the building, and I have not been that way. Um, recently, so it definitely warms up in there. I think the first goal tonight, Dave, is very important. It's uh, if the Canadians get it and uh, and they can kind of go into Islander mode, if you will. That I think that's huge for them. If the Knights get the first goal and 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 you know keep getting up and down the ice like they did in Game One, that's going to be problems for Montreal. What, what do you what do you think at the start of the game? The first ten fifteen minutes, boy, the Canadians had it going. In game one, what do you think we see at the start of tonight's game? I mean, you'd like to hope it would be reversed if you're a Knights fan. You know, it's been something for whatever reason that they've been slow starting um, during these these playoffs. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Hang on, I'll try to stall a little bit. But I think to your question, Stevie, it's actually, I think it's maybe even more important for the Canadians to get the first goal than the Knights. And I say that because of what you sort of intimated. Like, they can just sit on it. That's when they can frustrate teams and get into their game and limit chances and just, you know, sort of play that, that boring, what I think you just sort of compared it to the Islanders. Right. Um, so I have it in front of me here. Um, I don't know if this is updated, but Montreal was a plus seven in the first period. Ten, I had outscored teams 10-3. Um, Golden Knights are a minus five in the first period, been outscored 13 8. Um, I don't know if that, this is, I'm just looking at the notes from, I think it's after game one here. It looks like they've been updated. Um, so I'm, I think that stat stands, but it has been an issue for the Knights in terms of just, you know, digging themselves an early hole and having to get out of it. And this is a team that you just don't want to do that against because of the style of play. Yeah, I I would say th- this though, in uh, and and I th- I think that you're right, and that's more important for Montreal to get the first goal because even though they'll back it in, the Knights have shown the ability to come back uh, when when being behind. The the Canadians not so much. They they need to play with a lead in order to be really effective. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you know once the Knights got that first goal uh, the other night and seemed to settle in a little bit. You know, I guess if you want to say weather the storm, uh, whatever. I don't know if it was having fresher legs. I mean, certainly the Knights had had, you know, some time off. But I think once the Knights, you know, really settled into that game, it, what did the what did the Habs present on offense like as a threat? Not a whole lot. Certainly not in that second period. I mean, I thought they did a lot of good work in the first period. You know, down low, sort of like Minnesota did, trying to generate chances. You know, around the blue paint or creating plays from behind the goal, you know, below the goal line, 
um, you know, shots from below the dots, from the hash marks, things like that. Not settling for, you know, perimeter action, uh, you know, not settling for shots from the point or anything like that. They, that's where they generated their offense. And, and it seemed like as the game went along, there was just no threat there. Like, you're sort of waiting for, for an answer, for a reply from Montreal. And there was just, there's nobody in that lineup that can really grab the game by the scruff of the neck and, and sort of take it over the way Rantanen could, McKinnon could, McCarr could, you know, in that last series. Um, even a couple guys like Kaprizov uh, in the Minnesota series. Like, you just you struggle to see that um, from Montreal right now, especially especially with, like, Petrie out and Weber hurt. Like, th- there's just not a lot of individual offensive threat there. So, uh, yeah, I think speaking as far as, you know, the importance of the lead and all that, yeah, the Canadians I don't think are built to come back, and I think we really saw that the other night. You know, we've talked about this, and here's Vegas in the semis getting healthier, and they've done this with Jay Theodore playing, you know, really well, but not this insanely noticeable offensive threat. You know, he gets one a one-timer off a draw. The pump fake that set up Martinez, really nice play. The man alive, I mean, if, if you get Petrangelo, who's upped his game, and Theodore returns to that bubble kind of mode he was in last year, Dave, this is Vegas not only getting healthy at the right time, but peaking at the right time. Yeah, which is what you want. I mean, how often, I think we talked about this, like how often do teams they get to this point and there's an injury or there's something that they have to overcome. Like the Knights are getting healthier right now. I don't, I don't think either of you guys probably probably jumped on the golden Knights, you know, morning skate stream or anything like that. And I'm not going to read a whole heck of a lot into right. anything with like eight guys out there and you know what, but Tomas Nosek looked ready to go. I mean, he was, Buzzing around, scoring on Flurry left and right, like it was even like at one point. At one point, even Steve Spot was like kind of nodding his head, like "Yeah," you know. And, and I only bring this up because I don't think he's going to play tonight. And, and if he looks that good and ready to go and whatever, like they're fully healthy, and and I don't think they've been, you know, this close to full strength, you know, probably since late January. And I even include Shea Theodore in that conversation because, and this is just pure speculation on, on my part, you know, probably your part. And it felt like for a long time there, probably all through May, that Theodore was nursing something, that, that he just wasn't himself. He wasn't rushing the puck the way that he, he did before. He, he just wasn't involved in the same way. I don't know if it was a game plan and X's and O's thing. It felt like he was just, nursing something and trying to get healthy and then you saw him the other night and maybe it was just you know a few days there um you know maybe it was just kind of working its way you know out through the postseason but it it feels like among this group by all of a sudden yeah he's probably you know now feeling healthy and feeling confident and you know that's dangerous i mean if they're not scoring up front and you're shutting guys down up front and you're they're getting offense from the blue line you know what? What difference does it make? It's still the same threat for the other team. You, you know, know, it's still it, it's like pick your poison at that point. 
You know, March Madness, right? The team that wins it, there's always a game where they kind of survive or just hang in there and whatever and get by, and then they ultimately go. And you think of this team, (laughs) the first-round series ended up being kind of a coin flip with Minnesota. Forget game one. Okay, that's a throwout against Colorado. But game five, you're down 2 nothing. You win that game. The whole narrative changes. And now everybody's sitting there going, this thing's there. It's there for the taking for them. And they're, they're the hottest thing since sliced bread. It's amazing how the story can change in a 10-day, two-week, three-week window. Yeah, and even like a one-game window, you know. I mean, what about the narrative around the Canadians? It felt like after that game, it maybe back to reality a little bit. I and mean, there were there were a lot of people feeling good, you know, wearing the I, what is the, I my my French is terrible with rouge blanc blue whatever. Um, <laughs> nice try. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Right? Gave it a shot. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, they were feeling pretty good. Carp tried that like, last week. Know. It was joie de vie. <laughs> yeah, is that is that the? I don't know. That's your happy. That's your happy joy. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were definitely puffing their chest out coming into this into the series and all that. So, you know, it felt like there was a little bit of, you know, kind of kind of they got smacked down in that sense. And yeah, it is funny how the narrative changes real quick. I mean, one game, and you know what happens. You know, depending on how, you know whatever tonight. I mean, that'll that'll change it too. So. Ah. I guess that's the fun part of being in the media is, is following all that and writing about it and hearing all the hearing all the fans, you know, stir it all up too. Dave, I, uh, when DeBoer came here from San Jose, um, I knew that he would want to activate that defense in, into the offense. We saw it uh, with his teams in San Jose. I was concerned about then how they would play in their own end. They are occasionally a guy will get caught on a pinch. They are really, really good in their own end still, and in fact, it feels like they're getting better with every game, and yet contributing offensively. Yeah, and I think you know, if you're to me, it's like I look at it from the other side. If you're a coach, you know, and you're trying to scout the Knights, and and you're just looking at them on paper, I mean, you're kind of going, "Oh, geez, man, that's a good team," you know. I mean, Petrangelo's playing well all of a sudden now, and then. Theodore's on a second pair, and they can keep, you know, rolling those two out there for 22, 25 minutes, you know, on on separate pair. I mean, here's the funny thing. Like, Theodore has done a lot of the shutdown work with McNabb. It hasn't been Petrangelo matched up. No, no, Theodore's played well defensively. There's no doubt. Yeah, it's been Theodore and McNabb. So, it just, they're just, it's everything that they paid for, you know. It's everything that they hoped for at the start of the year that you're looking at and you're going, you know, when it comes playoff time, you know, this is this is why we're spending $61.6 million on Petrangelo. This is what we envision. And right now it's it's coming too. I, I just, I, again, I'm just impressed that they that they jump into the offense. We, we, they've been scoring the goals, and now the forwards are feeding them, so it's not like they're doing it on their own. But, but they're jumping into the offense, but it's not costing them on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's smart defensemen. You know, that's being conscientious and you know, knowing when to do it and probably having it drilled in you all, all season, you know, the mistakes that you've made and whatever. I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me is, 
Yeah, it's easy to, like, put in a system and expect Petrangelo and Theodore, you know, to activate and be guys that jump in and, and, and do all that and you build it around, you know, the system around them a little bit. But, you know, like the last two games has been holding, you know, finding room and, and pinching in from the point. Like you're talking about, like, that. That's just, I mean, you have wide open ice. Like, that's safe to do it. And if you know you have a forward there covering you, you know, that that just seems to be, that's hockey IQ that they're taking advantage of and sort of experience and, you know, not putting themselves in bad spots and, and maybe not taking the same sort of risks that they would during the regular season, but not sacrificing offense, I guess, in the same way. I, I think I'll, I'll even sort of flip around what you're saying a little bit, Stevie. Hey, let's take a phone call. Mike wants to check in with Dave Shane. It's Vegas Hockey Outland. Game two, game day here in Las Vegas. Hi, Mike. Dave, I checked the Google Translator. I couldn't find your phrase anywhere. <laughs> which, which phrase? Your your red, white, blue. Your feeble attempt at oh, French. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. I took Spanish. Okay. I, I I don't know what I was thinking. I should have done French. Well, when Bettman puts the team in Mexico City, you'll be way ahead of the curve. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> So at any rate, two now, drink minimum. Mike will pass. be here all day. Yeah, exactly. At least until two o'clock. But at any rate, um, if we have two get, two teams play each other, which could or could not happen, I'm not predicting this. Please don't don't pin this on me. If Tampa Bay plays Vegas for the Cup, you've got Tampa Bay, a team that has, and I'm looking at it right now, and I can't find more than one goal by the defense. Now there's one, Victor Hedman. The defense has scored, and the Knights, who had most of their shots and goals lately, at any rate, made by their defense. Who's better off, the team with the poor offense or the team with the poor defense? Yeah, I think it just depends where your offense comes from in general. I mean, you know, Tampa's Tampa's certainly – I mean, if you're going to – I think it, the one thing, obviously they're, what, $18 million over the cap or whatever crazy number they are. The one thing, the whole, I guess, on that roster is like an offensive-minded defenseman if, if you think Victor Hedman is sort of the guy that, that quarterbacks things back there because they run so much of their power play and a lot of their offense through Kucherov and Braden Point and Stamkos a little bit when he's healthy. Where the Knights seem to run a lot of their offense, especially in the power play through Theodore and Petrangelo, and working low to high and high to low and that sort of puck movement. So it's just a little bit different philosophically. I don't think you know you're necessarily better off or worse off. It you know it just doesn't really matter in in a lot of ways. I think where the goals come from, as as long as they're coming, I, I always think of the uh, golf phrase. It's not you know it's not how it's how many. So I think that translates a little bit in terms of hockey, whether you're getting depth scoring, secondary scoring, or you know whether it's the stars that are doing it. And, you know, certain games are going to be different than others. Last game, at least for the Golden Knights, you know, the opportunities were there for the defensemen, and they were able to bank them. By the way, Tampa and the Islanders are getting after it pretty good. <laughs> it's only two games in, but they don't like each other very much. Good stuff. And then, then you're going back to that gong show on the island. That's going to be something else. Yeah, it's been going oh, serious it. to watch. Yeah, I- no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, this Islanders team gets the split. 
did, David, did you see that last a point gets pushed into, into Varlamov? And, and how how they miss that? Yeah, it's a fast game. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I always, I, I, I'm one of those people that I, I don't want to excuse the referees, but I don't like to get too hung up on a missed call. Like it happens. I, mean, I get it. I know the guy. Um, guy kind of had the puck. Yeah, that was pretty egregious. <laughs> and then obviously, well, then obviously Varlamov got hurt and had to leave the game too. So it it really could have affected things in that regard. You know, Sorokin's coming in cold, and if you know something had happened, they were able to score. You know, whatever. It, excuse me. At least at that point, yeah, it could have affected the game. Um, you know, obviously the the Lightning were able to get a, a few more goals and. You know, I don't. I don't think whatever happened there, you know, probably affected things. But I don't know. To me, it's fun. It's been fun to watch that series because, without looking too far ahead for the night, if I'll put the big, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. around, if they play one of those two teams, obviously, it's sort of a weird final exam because I think Tampa Bay is like the final exam for everything that Colorado represented. They're a better version of Colorado. Everything that they had, to, that hurdle and, and all of that that they had to get over the hump for Colorado, the final exam is going to be Tampa Bay. And in the same way that in the bubble with Dallas and Vancouver a little bit and then Minnesota and that team that's going to sit back and pack it in, keep you to, per, to the perimeter, try to, like, you know, drain the game and, and make it as boring as possible. Like, nobody does that better than the Islanders. That's the final exam. You know, for a team like that. So either way, it, it's going to be a different challenge if the Knights get to the Stanley Cup final. But it, it's kind of going to be the ultimate test, you know, from either side and, and either style of play that they're going to see. Hey, Dave, uh, Brian asked me this. I'm, I'm going to get your opinion on it. Uh, if, again, the, the, the big if that you just mentioned, the Knights were to get up, you know, 3-0-3-1, would you start Leonard in a, in a game four, game five, uh, to give Flurry a blow and and have him ready for the next series, and just in case, uh, just in case you ever needed him, then Leonard's not not been on the shelf forever. Yeah, I think I, I think it would depend on the scenario. I could see three zero that you give him game yes. four. That, yeah. that, that was no, that I, was the I, scenario. I, I said they had to be up three zero. Would you give Leonard a kick at it? Three zero. Yeah, that's the I, only scenario. I could, I could see it if you feel like he's healthy. Uh, obviously, there was something that happened at least early in that last series against Colorado, where you know he had a, a handful of days where he wasn't participating in practice, and Logan Thompson served as the backup goalie for a couple games. So he, obviously, he's been out there. It looks like he's fine. If you feel like he's 100, percent and if you feel like he's ready to go and, and and gives you a legitimate chance to win, I think that would be the situation to do it. Uh, I, I wouldn't do it at 2-1, obviously. No, no. Only scenarios um, it, 3-0. Yeah. 3-1, I would have a real hard time nope. with that. Like, at, nope. at this point, you're riding flurry. No. It would be more It would be more about the fact that you're going to be traveling back from three-hour time zone ahead and playing it like in every other day scenario. You're not getting an extra travel day in there. No. Nope. So maybe I mean, that's a situation where you want to rest flurry leading into game five if you need it. Right. Yes. But 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 going in up three zero, you're sitting there going, a he gets a mini break, or if even if Leonard wins the game, 
Then Flurry's sitting there, gets five, five, six days off, and he is ready to rock and roll in the final. And yeah, and and you know, Leonard's been a good soldier and a good teammate. And the worst case scenario when you're up three zero, I mean, you, you come home and Foley makes ten million dollars with nineteen thousand fans there at an average ticket price of four hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't mind it, especially if they're able to close it out there in five. Um, you know, then it's no harm, no foul in that sense. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, if you feel like here's their thing, too, and, and I'm a believer as a, you know, as a coach, you know, you want to reward some guys, too. Um, I think there was a little bit of, and, and Flurry said this, that, you know, Leonard got thrown to the Lions a little bit in that game one against Colorado, but I do think there was a little bit of, you know, rewarding him for the regular season and like, he earned the A game, you know, and yeah, we're going to, you know, unfortunately you're going to get the crap situation here, but Hey David, David, I would, David, if, if I'm telling you, if Leonard would have won game one against Colorado, it wouldn't have shocked me if they'd have come right back with him in game two. Oh, see, I disagree with you there. I think they would have gone to flurry regardless. But but I do think but I do think there was just advantages of if he won that game, and then for whatever reason, if you somehow get in trouble, you know, then he's feeling good, and then you could go back to him, you know, quick if you need to. Um, I think they would have gone back to Flurry. I, I disagree with you a little bit there. Speaking of guys feeling good, Gerard Gallant feeling pretty good today. What are your thoughts on him uh, going and coaching the Rangers now? Well, I think in terms of the hockey part of it, it's a really, really, really good fit because I think the one thing with Jar Gallant and his reputation as a coach that was solidified not only here but in other places is that he does a really good job with younger players and developing them um, and, and showing patience and trust with them. And obviously the Rangers have, you know, Panarin who's, you know, in his late 20s and Kreider, you know, some guys that are that. But that's a younger core. Lafreniere, Kako, Keandre Miller, uh, some other players, uh, Adam Fox. You know, those are, the, those are the types of teams, those are the types of players that I think Jared Gallant, you know, works well with and, and fits well. I, I think style of play, you know, he's going to be, you know, aggressive and, and players like to play for him. So from that standpoint, yeah, I do. I think it's a good fit. The thing I really like about that, is I'm a big, big believer in Chris Drury. The guy's just, Dave, everything he's ever done, he wins. And I think it's it's paramount. He, Gallant, get on the same page. But if Drury says it's the right move, I, I think whatever Drury does is going to work. So I'm happy Gallant falls in that spot, and let's see what happens with it. Yeah, you know, hopefully... Uh... Nobody asked him too many analytics questions or anything in the, uh, <laughs> in the New York media and set him off for anything. But, but yeah, I think, you know, obviously, like, look, you know, Jared Lance has been around the NHL. He, he knows, you know, he knows the deal. And, you know, it's a original six franchise that he gets a chance to coach. So I'm sure he's excited. And, you know, it's going to be depending on, you know, obviously what they go back to with the divisions um, and things like that. But it's a competitive conference competitive division that the Rangers play in. So, you know, it's going to be a, a tough haul here. There's there's some work to be done for them to, to get to the playoffs. Hey, I didn't mean to gloss over it. Uh, forgive me if I kind of did. But you, but you brought up how good Nosek looked this morning. And 
What's what's your best guess? I mean, you think there's a, a shot he's plopping in there tonight? No, not from based on the just you know if I'm going to read tea leaves from a morning skate and you know who stayed out there and if we're going to play all that game, uh, he was out there with Haig and Coghlan. So it looked like those were clearly going to be scratched. Okay, there you go. I think that the only thing the only thing that was interesting in terms of the lineup um, that I think maybe worth keeping an eye on a little bit is. Patrick Brown stayed out for a while, but then he he left pretty early. And those three, Nosek, Coglin, and Haig, were still doing a lot of work with Logan Thompson and Goal and with you know Ryan McGill um, and some of their assistant coaches. So the the Patrick Brown thing I thought was a little intriguing or suspicious, and maybe just maybe there's somebody that is a game-time decision that we don't know about in the bottom six that, you know, Patrick Brown is, is, you know, preparing for a little bit differently and maybe preparing to potentially play. Um, so I think that's worth at least keeping an eye on, but it doesn't look like, at least from the way things were situated, that there's, that there's going to be any lineup changes. Is this fair? I think they're all playing very, very, very well. The Carlson's gone through the roof. I mean, Carlson kind of looks like the guy he was in the first year here. He's never been bad. I mean, but he he looks exceptional. The other guy who seems to have really upped the ante and out of quietly playing really well is the word. But I think Nick Waugh's playing really good. Really good. Yeah, so I'll plug my story at the Review Journal today uh, about William Carlson and... I even talked about in the story about the goal that he scored against Colorado and how much it reminded me. And he even said it; it reminded him of you know a lot of the goals that he scored that first year. Would you? Can I? Can on, I interrupt on you on for one? Side. Forgive me. Yeah. Forgive me. Go ahead. I swear, believe me. I always read your stuff. I didn't read that today. I'm so if that's your article, I mean, honestly, I mean, it does. A lot of the stuff he's doing is reminiscent of year one. Yeah, and I think in what I tried to kind of convey in the story a little bit is, you know, from watching him when he's sort of doing those things, that's when you can tell he's feeling good about his game and he's feeling confident. Um, you know, when he's finding those spots, those areas of the ice sort of on the weak side. Uh, and in this case, Martinez did a good job finding him. You know, part of that, too, is, is you got to have somebody find you and, and put a pass to the scene. But, you know, the way that he dropped down to one knee and, and one-timed it, I mean, how many times did we see that in those those 43 goals? I mean, I went through it. Um, there was like a, a YouTube video with all of his goals from that year, and you can see, and like it comes from different areas and different ways. You know, sometimes it's, you know, on a two-on-one or whatever. But, I mean, I counted more than a handful, you know, that season where, you know, he kind of darted in from sort of the off wing, the weak side, you know, and somebody found him, and he was able to just bang it in, whether it was a rebound or, you know, a pass. So the, that – tells me, you know, he's seeing the ice well. He's he's putting himself into offensive positions that he likes to be in, you know, areas of the ice that he likes to get the puck. And and right now, you know, he's creating. I mean, we saw the, the setup that he had for March or so in that game five. That was a huge goal. And, and, you know, when he's getting his chances, he's finishing too. I mean, I posed this question a little bit to, to Pete DeBoer and sort of prefaced it with, you know, I think, some people would be surprised to know this, that William Carlson is 
leading them in scoring right now. It's not Mark Stone or, you know, obviously Pat already missed some time or anybody, you know, right now it's William Carlson. And, yeah, to your point, a lot of that is how well their line is playing as a whole, but he's driving it. And with regard to Nick Waugh, um, just real quick, because I know I'm rambling a little bit here, uh, I think a lot of that, to be quite honest, is he works really well with Tuck and Yanmar. There is a chemistry there with with their speed where he likes to kind of hold the puck up and he can he can hang on to it, use his body, use his strength, and, and let them create and, and find them. Um, he's really good, especially with Tuck, at you know getting a breakout pass in the neutral zone and then hitting Tuck with speed and, and where he's able to to kind of blow by and, and catch defensemen on their heels and, and really take advantage of, of what he's good at. Um, I'll just make a real, another quick comment. I thought Tuck was phenomenal yep. in, in that game one. I had made a comment on Twitter. I thought that Petrangelo and Tuck were the two best players. I think I made that comment about midway through the second period. And you could have picked any number of people from that game, Theodore Martinez, um, I think Steve Karp even mentioned Chandler Stevenson, and I agree with all of them, but I, I just really thought especially Tuck was just a menace with his speed, and I do think a lot of that is he clicked with with Waugh. And, and a little bit of physicality, Dave, that the, the first uh, goal was a direct result of a hit that uh, he laid on 32. I forget who, who they were for, for Colorado, but separates the guy from the puck, and, uh, and and they get it back in the zone, cycle it, and it leads to the first goal. Yeah, it, that's, that was Gustafson. And Gustafson. Yeah, it led to the icing. Um, right. Colorado's long gone. You know, and then obviously they won the draw. And, <laughs> and then, and then the, the Brian, heat. to your point, they had, they had two goals basically off offensive zone faceoff wins. Yeah, well, yeah. So it's a thing, you know that that was another thing that was a big part of the game. Oh, by you the know, way, Carlson, the, Carlson, the timeliness of when you win, Carlson. You know, you could make the case even in a forty-three goal season, all that. You know, the faceoffs were no great shakes. This guy's winning draws now, clean as a whistle, and they're running yeah. some nice set play. So that's it. You know, the one guy, Dave. I just got to tell you that I now, you know, when I what you watch the games, you're breaking the whole thing down. But the one guy I really get a charge out of watching of all the guys that are out there. I really enjoy watching White Cloud play. This guy. He just does everything right. And, and I know there's, there's more in the tank for what he develops into. But for what he's turned into basically in a year and a half is remarkable to me. He, he's just a steady Eddie. And I just I just get a real charge out of watching him play. Because he sticks his nose in there. He, he just does every little thing right by me. Yeah, you know... I don't remember who, maybe he was talking about Alec Martinez yesterday. Um, Pete DeBoer used the term foot soldier. And I think that's a very apropos term to apply to, to White Cloud. And I mean that as a compliment, um, that he is just a guy who will do anything and everything for the team. You know, whatever it, whatever it takes to win, if he's got to block a shot, if he's got a you know, be the guy that sits on the bench because they shorten the, you know, the bench. If he's got to kill a pen, like whatever it takes, you know, he he's the guy, and he's young, and he sort of understands his role and accepts that. And I think that's part of it. But you know, you need you need guys like that. Those are those are glue guys on a roster. Like 
if there's there's one thing I learned from, you know, like following the draft and things, and not just in the NHL, but in other sports as well, you know, not everybody can be the superstar. Like, yeah, you're trying to draft the guy who's going to score a bunch of points or, you know, kill a bunch of penalties, stop a bunch of pucks if he's a goalie, like whatever it might be. But sometimes you just need that guy who's going to do the little things and the dirty work and just be a good teammate and not necessarily be a star. You know, the guy who's not going to rock the boat but that everybody likes and trusts, you know, to be out there. And it's crazy to think. I mean, like, they kind of just threw him in there. Let's take a look at him. You know, last year when DeBoer came aboard, what do you got? You know, it was well, he, like, well, he was going to make like the team, and he got hurt. Like, what else do you have here? Yeah, I mean, like, look, quite frankly, like, let's – look, this is harsh, but, you know, I think they, they looked at Derek England at that point and was kind of like, look, he's not getting it done. What else do we have here? Well, we've got Zach Whitecloud, and he was really close to making the team out of camp, and he's a right shot. Okay, fine, let's take a look at him. And the kid, you know, he hasn't been out of lineup since for the most part. By the way – it's a business, and I get that. And you got twelve million dollars of goaltenders, and next year will be here before you know it. I think we should start a campaign that just do what's right. This kid making seven hundred twenty-five thousand dollars at a crime. Yeah, he can't. He can't get his uh, what's the Cold Stone ice cream or whatever. Oh he my God! How, how did how did that come down? Yeah, that's a that's a very team friendly contract. That's for darn sure. I think uh, you know once it comes around, probably uh, next year. Uh, I, mean, I think he'll get a good bump. I mean, a lot of that's obviously based on you know at the time with all that he had, you know, twenty games or whatever. Uh, I mean, some of that's just the business, and you know you're you're negotiating based on numbers and and your resume essentially. You spend most of the time in the AHL, so there wasn't a whole lot for his agent to. To go on, but I think certainly next time we come around, he's gonna. Oh yes, he is. Yes, he is. All right, uh, you told us about the article on Carlson. We always read your work in the RJ. What's the deal? Give me the skinny on the podcast. Yeah, well, we recorded one last week uh, after the game six win, and we're gonna do one tonight. All right, there you uh, go. after game two, uh, so it should be out. You know, if you're up late. Probably uh, maybe be able to find it at ReviewJournal.com where all the podcasts are. Uh, I think you can find it on Spotify and some of those other good places too. Uh, if not, check it out uh, tomorrow morning. It should be uh, should be out there fresh for everybody. All right. You're the man, man. Listen, you're going to be out driving. It's 816 degrees. Stop at a Dairy Queen. Get a Mr. Misty for the ride. Oh, is that one of those those little spray fans? No, it's no. A, it's it's the slushy drink. You you don't want to get the, the oh. you don't want to get the freeze headache, but yeah, it, it'll keep you cool. Oh yeah, that's much much better than the little spray fan. I thought you were trying to get to, like <laughs> figure out different ways to stay cool. Nice, enjoy the game, buddy. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me on. He's our Appreciate pal, Dave Shane from the RJ. All right, you can spin the wheel of Terrible Herbs. VGK Game Day giveaway the $1,000 prize pack. John Smith Subs, 9701 West Flamingo. Ask for the hat trick special. Mention Vegas Hockey Online. 20% off a sub, fries, and a drink. Adam S. Cutter, when they're on the power play tonight, you get a shot to win tickets to a future game. And a future game is game three, and that is a hockey watch party. Club Madrid, Sunset Station, Friday night. Great prizes, great room, loud crowd. Come on out, join us when they head north to the border. 
going to be fun. Let's say you and I take the lead. Let's start a White Cloud GoFundMe page. I thought of saying that, but 725. They should just feel guilty and renegotiate. It's beyond a haircut. Enjoy the game tonight, folks. TC Ballpark next.